All right. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. It's good to be able to share from God's Word. Um, For those who uh, I have not had the pleasure to meet you yet, my name is Mike Silliman. I'm the Karen Connections Pastor here at Grace. And uh, I was reflecting a little bit earlier today, and uh, it's been a year and a half since uh, our family's moved here to the great state of Indiana and uh, joined the team here at Grace. And uh, it's just been a wonderful journey. It's been great to get to meet and get to know um, you. And uh, I know some of you, I'm still asking your names. Be patient with me. I take a little a little bit of time sometimes, and there's a lot of you, okay? Uh, but it's great to share from God's Word. You know, we're in our series called uh, Born to the Second Power, and a couple of weeks ago, we, we launched this series looking at different births, and we started looking at the birth of man back in the Garden of Eden. We started in the book of Genesis, and uh, we looked at what life uh, was what, how God intended life to be in the garden. It was a, it was a beautiful life uh, without sin, without sin nature, and sin entered into the world. And the following week, we looked at uh, the birth of sin and uh, the ravages of sin and the result of that sin entering into humanity. And, uh, and then we talked about our need because of that sin, because of our sin nature, the need for Jesus. And so the next week we talked about the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was born so that we may have life, that we place our faith and our trust in him. And uh, he gives us a life eternal. And then last week, uh, we looked at what that life looks like. We looked at what it means to be reborn. Uh, and uh, to be born again. And, and uh, if you were here last week, uh, you saw, you witnessed something incredible as God moved in hearts and lives. We saw 190 people walk across this stage uh, saying, hey, I need Jesus. I'm going to live for him. And that was an amazing thing. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Some of those people were, were rededicating their life to Christ and others were making a first time decision for, for Christ. And I, I'll never forget, I stood over here and I got to, to shake hands and give high fives and hugs to people uh, as they passed by me. And I could just see the joy um, in, uh, coming down in tears in many of their eyes just uh, because uh, they, they knew in that moment they're crossing over from death and uh, from death to life, and it was great to, to share in that. Well, today we're going to continue on in our Born series, and uh, we started in Genesis. Today, we're going to spend time in Revelation. We're going to talk about heaven today, and I have a disclaimer. Uh, no matter how good of a job I do today, I'm going to fail miserably. And even come coming close uh, to describing what heaven's going to be like, but I'm going to try. And my goal here today is to leave you just with a taste. I want you to leave here just just longing for heaven, longing for that place and longing for that day uh, when Jesus either comes or uh, or we die, whatever comes first. And and when we we, we wake up and, and we're more alive than we will ever be. In, in heaven. Uh, we learned last week in our, our uh, message that God gives all of those who have been reborn, He indwells them with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us, gives us strength for this life, gives us power for this life, uh, opens up the Word of God in an amazing way to us, illuminates God's Word to us, convicts us of sin. But also, what we need to know about the Holy Spirit is, Scripture says in Ephesians that um, we're given the Holy Spirit 
as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And so we have the Holy Spirit and uh, it, it guarantees our inheritance. We have an inheritance coming and we're going to talk about heaven this morning. And I hope that you're prepared for that moment. I hope that you're prepared for that moment because it's going to be an amazing moment. I want you to think about for a minute the planning and the preparation that goes into preparing for vacation. Maybe some of you, uh, you're in the throes of planning for summer vacation. And uh, when we plan for vacation, you know, we scour the internet. Maybe we're looking for deals. Maybe we're, we're just looking for a new place to experience new things with, with those that we love. Uh, but we look at the internet and we look at what are the attractions that are going to be at this place that we're going to. And we check out the restaurants that we're able to go to. And maybe we talk to people that have been to this place that we're thinking about going to. And we find out from them, hey, where should we go? Where should we avoid? And, uh, and, and we get a picture. And what are we doing? We're envisioning, before we get there, we're envisioning what it's going to be like. We, we long to get there and we look forward to it. Um, but did you ever notice that the pictures that you look at on the internet, um, you know, are, are the, the place, the accommodations in particular, uh, look much better on the picture than when you actually get there? Did you ever notice that? You, you show up at this place and, and you walk in and you're like expecting this massive room, you know, with tons of room, tons of space. And you're like, where's the rest of the house? And right, they just got the perfect camera angle. They knew where to take the, the you know, the, the, the picture from to give us that, that shot. Well, here's the reality. I believe that heaven, any picture that I paint for you today, any picture that we receive is going to, is, when we finally get to heaven, it, we're not going to be disappointed at all. Uh, we are going to uh, be awakened to an amazing sight, and it's going to be incredible uh, when, when we get there. But all of the energy, all of the effort that we put into planning our vacation, and it lasts a week, or it lasts two weeks. And um, shouldn't we plan that much more for the place that we're going to spend eternity I mean, we should, we should be looking forward to it, just as we look forward to a vacation. Here's what I know about vacations. When we plan a vacation, um, it helps us get through some of our difficult days, right? Uh, maybe it uh, helps you get through a difficult time at work because you know you have something to look forward to. You have something that's coming, and you long for that vacation to get away, to build memories. And uh, I believe that as we envision heaven, um, that, uh, that it helps us get through this thing called life. And it not only just helps us get through it, but it gives us joy. It gives us joy right now. Jesus came that we have abundant life right now, not just in heaven. Uh, but I want to share a verse. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Colossians 3, 1, it says this. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. It says, Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul says, Set your heart on things above. I did some research. I looked into this phrase and into this word. And that, that phrase, set your heart, set your hearts on, is this Greek word. And the Greek word is zeteo, zeteo. And it, and it literally means to pursue, 
to seek, to search. And it's also a present tense verb, which means that it's an ongoing process. So Paul says that we should, we should be seeking heaven. We should be searching for heaven. We should be longing for heaven. And the same word, the same Greek word is used in the New Testament um, to describe how the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, came to seek what was lost. It's the same word. It's also the same word used to describe how in the parables of the lost things, you remember those parables in Luke 15, how the shepherd looked for his lost sheep and how um, the woman searched for the lost coin in her house and how, how the merchant searched for the fine pearl, the pearl of great price. And so think about this for a minute. We're to seek after heaven. We're to search after heaven. We're to long for heaven in the same intensity that Jesus seeks after lost people. That's the kind of intensity. That's the image here. And, uh, and here's, here's, here's why. Here's why. Write this down if you're taking notes. Because heavenly longing shapes our earthly living. Heavenly longing, longing for heaven, searching for heaven, um, just desiring heaven shapes how we live on this earth. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. He says that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. Now, have you ever heard somebody say this? You ever say about, about he or she that, that he or she, they're too heavenly minded for any earthly good? Have you ever heard that? That he's too heavenly minded for any earthly good. As if thinking about heaven too much is going to somehow dull our purpose here on earth or dull our, our mission here on earth. No way. No way. When, when we begin to realize that our citizenship is in heaven we, and we long for that and we seek for that and we search that and we set our hearts on that, we begin to desire the culture of our citizenship. We begin to desire the culture of our citizenship. What's, this, what's the culture of heaven? It's purity. There's no sin. And we begin to live as if we were actually living in heaven through, through the strength of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that gives us strength. And we begin to desire that culture. We begin to start living as missionaries in a foreign country because we recognize that that's exactly what we are. We're, we're, we're here living as missionaries. The, the world, this earth is not our home. We sang about that truth this morning. Heaven is our home and we're just foreigners here. Now, if, if we're honest, however, most of the time, or some of the time, a lot of the time, our minds are so much set on earth that we fail to give heaven much thought. Uh, we get distracted here, don't we? I get distracted. And it's easy for me to take my, my heart, or allow my heart uh, that, that's supposed to be set on heaven, supposed to be set on, on eternity, that's supposed to form how I think and how I act. And it's easy to get distracted. And before long, uh, we can fail to give heaven much thought at all. And I, I believe there's a couple reasons for this. First of all, uh, we have a spiritual enemy. His name's Satan. And uh, he does not want us to set our hearts on heaven. Um, 
You know, let me remind you, he came from heaven. He knows what's heaven, what, what heaven's like. And he was cast out of heaven, and he wants to distract you, keep you from thinking about heaven. Because uh, if he can keep you from thinking about heaven, he'll zap you of your joy and we'll begin to be filled with just busyness that, that life brings at us. And we'll be rendered ineffective in seeing people as God truly intended them to be. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said this. He said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. I, I just love that. As we set our hearts on heaven, on things above, on eternal perspectives. God gives us the joy in this life as well. We get earth thrown in as well. And so um, I want to I wanna, uh, focus on what that looks like today. And we're going to celebrate, give you just a little bit of taste of what that might look like. Another reason, though, that we sometimes don't allow our heart to be set on heaven is that we have an incorrect or sometimes even an unbiblical picture of what heaven will be like. Uh, Many people have this picture of heaven like it's this unending church service that never stops. And we'll be issued a cloud, and that's kind of our real estate, and we'll be on this cloud with a harp, and and that's what we're going to do. It's this unending church service. Now, an unending church service here at Grace would be a pretty good thing, okay? Um, But that's not true everywhere, right? And I don't know that I want an unending uh, church service anyway, but here's the reality. If we can't envision what heaven's going to be like, how in the world are we going to look forward to it? If we can't have a picture and dream about what heaven's going to be like, it's really hard to set our heart on on heaven. So I want to try the best that I can this morning to give you a little taste of what that might look like, what heaven might look like. Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. If you need a Bible uh, this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. We have ushers that would love to put one in your hand. Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at the first eight verses. Um, So you can stand up when you find that in your Bibles. Revelation 21. The book of Revelation was given to John as a vision of, of what's to come. And so God gives John this amazing picture of heaven that, that he told John to write down, write this down, and we have the opportunity to peer in, literally, to heaven this morning and get a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. Let, let's look at what John saw. Revelation uh, chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Ready? Read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and 
I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You may have a seat. Man, I just want Jesus to come back right now after reading that. I, I, I do. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing picture that John gives us there. Let's, let's begin to unpack some of these truths together. He says in verse 1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. See, God created the first earth to be man's permanent home. We talked about that the first week of this series, but sin, death entered the world and transformed the earth into a place of rebellion. And it it literally became enemy occupied territory. And John sees this picture of a new heaven and a new earth that God has prepared and when, when you see that new heaven, what's that referring to? That's referring to what we would call the expanse, our, our atmosphere, and what we would call space. And, and then John says the new earth. And the new earth is a place that we call heaven. And so when you hear me co- talk about heaven, I'm talking about today, I'm talking about the new earth that we're going to experience for all eternity. And that's where we're going to live. And um, if you're listening to me, Right now, and you've already checked out, uh, maybe you're saying to yourself, well, wait a minute here. You're saying that there's a new heaven, and you're saying there's a new earth. This is just a little bit too Star Wars-y for me here. Okay, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. Um, let me just say this, first of all. First of all, we're glad that you're here, and I'm, I'm super glad that you're asking these types of questions. Uh, this is a great place to be, to ask honest questions like, like this. But let me remind you of something. While you're sitting here in, in a chair, nice and, and comfortable, uh, did you know that you're spinning at 1,000 miles per hour? Did you guys know that? You're spinning, you're, 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 you're on an, standing on earth, we're sitting here on earth right now, and our, our, our earth is spinning at 1,000 miles per hour. While it's doing that, you're hurling through space right now at the breakneck speed of 67,000 miles per hour. We live on a planet that if we were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were any further from the sun, we'd freeze to death. So I think God can create a new heaven and a new earth. What do you think? I think he can handle that. Seriously. And, and it, it's, it's mind-blowing to even think that we could be sitting here quietly in a chair uh, while all of that is happening in us and around us. But it's true. And so if God can do that, I'm banking on the fact that he can create a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe that with all my heart. And John says that there's going to be no longer any sea. Now, for some of you fishermen, you're getting the twitches here, okay? Because you're like, what? There's not going to be any fishing in heaven? And no, I believe there, I think there's going to be fishing in heaven. Uh, there's going to be bodies of water in heaven. In their time, see, the sea, it represented the place where evil and rebellion comes from. It also represented the place where storms would come. And so it's saying that the sea will no longer threaten creation's perfection. That's what, that's what it means. And see, there's coming a time when our, when our earth as we know it, the earth as we know it will be no more. There's going to be a new heaven 
and there's going to be a new earth. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Heaven is a real place. It's a real place with real people living in real bodies, serving a real God for all eternity. That's, that's heaven. Heaven is a real place, real people living in real bodies, serving a real God for all eternity. Let's look at verse 2. John says this. He said, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Now, I remember um, coming up on 25 years ago, but I remember it just like it was yesterday. I was standing about right here in the church, and um, my father-in-law walked my wife down the aisle, and she was dressed in her wedding dress. And uh, I thought I was going to be one of these, like, cool guys, you know? Like, I'm not going to cry or emote at all. And man, she got about halfway down the aisle, and my, you know, it just like that, that lump in my throat, my heart started beating. Why? Because, man, I was looking at her. She was absolutely stunning. She was absolutely beautiful in her wedding dress. And I believe John's giving us this, this picture of what it's going to be like when we, we get to heaven. It's going to be amazing, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And uh, write this down in your notes. Heaven is going to be an incredible place of extravagant beauty and natural wonders like we have never seen before. Heaven is going to be an incredible place, and it's going to be extravagant. The beauty that we see in heaven and, and with the natural wonder is going to be breathtaking. Breathtaking. Revelation 21 and 22 describes some of the beauty of this city. By the way, I believe there's going to be countrysides and multiple cities in heaven. I believe that this is, this is the marquee city in heaven but I want you to imagine them for a minute. Take a city, one of your favorite cities. Take Chicago or New York or L.A. Or, or your favorite city. And I want you to imagine for a minute removing all the sin and all the effects of sin from that city. Imagine a place where there's, there's no crime, no pollution, no potholes. Amen for that. No terrorist threats. No terrorist threats. No bomb-sniffing dogs. No greedy politicians. No child molesters. No locks on the doors. Imagine not having to hit our lock button on our car like 10 times in a row. Some of you guys do that. You like hit it over and over and over. I don't know if you like the noise of the horn or if you don't know that it locked the first time. But do you know you only have to hit it one time? You do. But imagine not locking our doors. It's, it's, it's going to be an amazing place. Imagine, imagine a place where our creativity is unleashed in an amazing way. Think about the amazing art that we will see. I mean, we have an amazing art here on earth. We see amazing things, amazing works of art and beauty. But imagine what it's going to be like when we see art and create art in such a way that it's not hindered at all by the effects of sin and by the ravages of sin. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, Revelation 14, it talks about, it says that, that we're going to sing a new song. And uh, I, I love to just kind of think and envision what that's going to be like. Think of the new music that will emerge, maybe on new instruments that have never been created yet, on notes that maybe we have never been um, sung before. It's going to be 
absolutely amazing where we tap into creativity in a, in a way that's unhindered by sin. The natural beauty of heaven is going to be amazing too. Let's get a little taste of that. Turn the page to Revelation 22. Let's look at the first two verses in Revelation 22. It says this, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. There's your water, fisherman. As clear as crystal. Now, imagine going to the Elkhart River, okay? And think of what you see. You can't see beyond, you know, a quarter of an inch of the surface right here. Look at the water in heaven as clear as crystal. It's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. This is the first time we've seen the tree of life since Genesis, since week one of this series. It's back now in heaven. And look what it's doing. It's bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Every month. It's, and by the way, this is organic fruit, I'll have you know. This is organic <laughs> fruit, and it's big and massive, and it's amazing. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now, some of you have been all over this amazing planet of ours, and you've got to experience some incredible sights, and you've seen some of the natural beauty we have here on earth. I want you to look at just a couple of pictures that I pulled uh, of some amazing beauty. That's Mount Everest, uh, around 32,000 feet high. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking. It's majestic. Look at that. What's the next one? That's more like Indiana. No, no mountains there. See that? But, but it's green and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. There's, there's, I think this is Norway. Just look at the, the beauty there. So you look down through the valley. There's another amazing mountain. Look at this. They're jumping. They're getting ready to jump. But it, man, it's just gorgeous. It's breathtaking. And, and, and this, by the way, is just some of the beauties... Um, imagine just as our resurrected bodies will be far better than our current bodies, okay? Imagine, and I believe the natural wonders will be as well. Just more beautiful lakes, more magnificent mountains. See, God has an amazing track record of creating beauty in our universe. I was studying this week, and uh, check this out. On Mars, there is a volcano. It's called Olympus Mons. And this volcano rises 79 thousand feet. 79,000 feet. That's nearly three times higher than Mount Everest. There's this amazing vast canyon uh, on Mars, on the planet Mars, that is 2,800 miles long. It's 370 miles wide. The state of Indiana is 160 miles wide. This is 370 miles wide, and it's, and it's four and a half miles deep. Hundreds of our Grand Canyons could fit inside of it. Now, let me read these verses, and I want you to try to think of what the natural beauty of heaven might be like. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says this, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. I seriously cannot wait to see what God has in store for us. If, if, if that is what we know, those pictures are what we know, imagine what God has, has in store for us because heaven is going to be far better than we could ever imagine. It's going to be far better. Look at uh, Revelation 21, verse 3. 
If that isn't amazing enough, this is the pinnacle right here. Verse 3. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with who? It's with men. And He will live with who? He will live with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. See, this is the marriage of, of the God of heaven with the people of earth. There's no longer going to be two universes, this primary home for God and his angels, and then a primary home for, you know, for the rest of humanity. He's no longer going to send a delegation of angels, but he himself will be with us. Wherever we go, we'll have complete unhindered access. Check this out to the full glory of God, to the full glory of God in heaven. We'll, we'll never question God's goodness. We'll never question his goodness. We'll savor it. We'll enjoy it. And when we, when we, we see finally and experience finally the full glory of God, we're going to finally realize what he left to come down here to save us from our sin. And I believe that we'll just fall on our knees and we'll just worship him because it will all make sense. We, 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 it, or it won't make sense, but it will make sense. If you get what I mean, it's going to be amazing. Then we experience the full glory of God. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, For now we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. If you're taking notes, write this down. Heaven is the full enjoyment of God without any fears, doubts, or questions. Heaven is the full enjoyment of God without any fears, doubts, or questions. See, I love God with all my heart. Many of you do as well. And, and, uh, and I believe that God is sovereign. I believe God is control, in control. And I believe that he's good. But there are things that happen in my life and there's things that happen in your life that cause us sometimes to have doubts, cause us sometimes to have some fears, cause us sometimes to have questions. But imagine enjoying God in his full glory without any fears, without any doubts, without any questions. That's going to be absolutely amazing. Heaven's the greatest, the, the greatest miracle in heaven will be our access to God as well. Think of this. We'll be able to come to him physically through gates wide open directly to his throne, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We'll be able to come to him directly. In many ancient uh, times, you never approached the king unless you were summoned. Here we have access to God. We will never sense his disapproval because we will never disappoint him. Jesus Christ's desire for us is that uh, he, we would share in his glory. It's absolutely incredible. Imagine um, playing catch with Jesus. I, I want to play catch with Jesus. I don't know about you. Imagine eating with Jesus, literally walking with Jesus. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 22. Turn the page to uh, Revelation 22, verses 3 and 5. It says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will do what? They'll serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever 
and ever. Have you ever had a moment, maybe uh, for me it was, was even today, as we were singing those songs focused on heaven, focused on eternity. Um, I had one of these moments. Maybe for you, you've had it in your quiet time with the Lord in prayer, or maybe at the beach or on a mountaintop somewhere. But that moment when you've experienced the very presence of God for a moment, you've had those moments, yeah? And um, for me, you know, I wish, I wish they could last forever, but I get distracted. I mean, I do. I get distracted. And uh, imagine not being distracted by the beauty of... The only thing that will distract us is God's beauty and God's glory. We'll be distracted by the beauty of God. And that's a good thing to be distracted um, by. Imagine serving Jesus through our, our work in heaven. By the way, there's going to be work in heaven. Work, uh, work uh, didn't come about after the curse. It, it, was, it, was, it was here before the curse. We're going to work in heaven. We're going to serve in heaven. But I believe, and we can't imagine this, but it's going to be a restful work. It's kind of like, you know, you go to work and you put in 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you're exhausted come the weekend. You know, you're tired out, you're worn out. But for some of you, you know, you, you uh, head into the garage and uh, maybe you like to, you know, put the hood up in the garage and tinker around in your vehicle. And you know how time can fly? And you can put eight hours in the garage working on your vehicle and it, you're not even tired. I believe that's what work in heaven is going to be like. It's going to be a restful work. And we were created to worship God and there's no higher pleasure. And in heaven, I believe that there's going to be times in our work whether we're building cabinets or whether we're cooking or taking a hike or talking with a friend or playing ball, I believe that there's going to be times in heaven when we just stop and everybody just joins in singing and we just stop what we're doing and we just worship God. I believe there's going to be times like that. Other times, I believe that we'll worship God through our working and through our, our serving. And, uh, but we're going to work and we're going to serve. There's not going to be boredom in heaven. There's not going to be boredom in heaven. You're not going to get bored in heaven. How many of you had your kids tell you yesterday, I'm bored? I'm like, what do you mean? You just opened 10,000 gifts. How can you be possibly bored? You know, boredom is a, it's brought on by our, by our own sinfulness, boredom. And by the way, we shouldn't get bored worshiping Jesus now either. There's nothing boring about serving Jesus. But we're never, we're never going to lose our fascination with God. It's never going to get boring. It's never going to get old. And we're going to just continue to, to learn more and more and more about him. Look at verse, look at verse 4 of, of Revelation 21. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And it's hard to imagine no more tears. Hard to imagine no more pain. Man, I moved a pool table yesterday with a couple guys. I can't imagine no more pain. Heaven is a place without regrets. There's no regrets in heaven. Bitterness is gone. Our failure is left behind. Feeling inadequate. Do you ever feel inadequate? Man, I do. I don't want to, but I do. It's part of my sinful nature. There's not going to be any feelings of inadequacy in heaven. Imagine this. Think of all of the emotional bandwidth that you expend on a daily basis brought on by our sin nature. Think of all of the emotions 
that we expend and the energy that we expend on, on emotions that are brought on by um, our own sin nature. Uh, you know, things like failure and things like sadness over uh, the death of a loved one. Think of disappointment because somebody left us, let us down. Disappointment because we, you know, we sinned and, and uh, we're, we're filled with shame and guilt over that or mistakes that we've made in the past or that relationship that went south and, and we're struggling with regrets and all of these emotions. If you think, if you, if you actually try to calculate the emotion, the emotional bandwidth that we spend as a result of our sinfulness, it's mind-blowing. It's a, I don't know if it's the majority of our emotional bandwidth that we spend, but, but check this out. In heaven, all of our emotional bandwidth will be spent on responding to God's glory and enjoying His goodness. All of it. All of our emotional bandwidth that we have at our disposal will we'll just be responding to God's glory and, and enjoying His goodness. It's going to be incredible. Our resurrected bodies will be real physical bodies, just as Christ was and is. Think about this, too, when it comes to the beauty of heaven. Think of the most beautiful person that you've ever known. Husbands, you better be looking at your wives right now and kind of glaring into their eyes. The most beautiful person that you've ever seen, even the most beautiful person, they're still living under the curse of sin. And they're just a shadow of the beauty that we're going to experience in heaven. See, I believe if we were able to see Adam and Eve before the fall, that we, it would have take, they would have taken our breath away, their beauty. And the beauty in heaven is going to be incredible. It's kind of fun to think about what we'll look like in heaven, you know, um, and, and how we'll, we'll act. Um, I believe that we won't eat. We won't overeat. We'll eat. Oh yeah, we'll eat. We won't overeat and we won't undereat, but we'll eat. Uh, think of no heart disease. Think of no diabetes, no sleep apnea, no annoying machines at night. Everybody say amen for that. Um, no arthritis, no cancer, no dementia. We will have incredible energy and vitality. And I believe that we'll still have our five senses, but I believe that we will experience our senses like never before. I believe that we will see colors in such vivid, incredible, uh, vivid detail. Maybe even colors that never existed, that we were never able to see and experience before. Um, the sounds and the smells of, of heaven, I believe, are going to be uh, incredible and amazing to experience. That's what we have waiting for us. Now, does that not excite you just a little bit? Man, it excites me a whole lot. Jesus, come now. I want Jesus to come back right now. Check out uh, verses 5 through 8. It says this. It says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. In other words, you can take this to the bank. This is true. This is true. Just as all the prophecies of the Old Testament that we've seen fulfilled and take place uh, through Christ, um, you can take this to the bank. Verse 6 says, He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, 
the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And just as heaven is real, hell is equally as real. For those that don't know Christ, for those that have not placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, it's not what you do, it's what He's done on the cross for us. Sadly to say, that's, that's the future for those who have not placed their, their faith and trust in Christ. But Jesus is, is willing that none should perish. He wants all to come to repentance. And we have an opportunity to see as many people as possible to enjoy heaven. Jesus said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I trust that you found it. I I trust that you found it. In heaven, we'll see clearly that God revealed himself to each person. He gave, gave each an opportunity for each heart, each conscience to seek and respond to him. Everybody deserves hell. Nobody deserves heaven. But God in his grace uh, went to the cross to offer salvation to us. And uh, man, I'm sure thankful for his grace and, uh, and what we have to look forward to. All of this should motivate us to, to take people with us. And, and all of us have people living beside us, working next to us in our own families that don't know Christ. And uh, it should motivate us to, to just send that text and, and have that conversation and, um, and plead and beg and pray and ask God to have mercy on them. I just want to give you some practical things how do we set our, our hearts on heaven? I want to give you some practical things you can take with you here today. What about this? What about memorizing some scripture about heaven and meditating on it? Maybe in 2016, make a point to memorize some key passages on heaven and, and meditate on, on it. What about this? Pray regularly, asking God to give you a, a heavenly perspective. Take some long walks in nature. Think about heaven. Talk to your kids about heaven. Have conversations around the table of what heaven will be like. Connect the dots for your kids. Um, you know, when, when, when we see something right in front of us as a result of our sin nature, as a result of sin, point, point that out to our kids and say, you know, in heaven, it's not going to be like that. Jesus is making everything right. And point out those, those moments to your kids. Encourage and remind one another often about what heaven is going to be like. I had some conversations with some people today. And I, I talked to uh, Floyd Welling after the last service. And I came up to him and gave him a big hug. If you know Floyd, if you've seen him at, at Walmart greeting you, he loves hugs. And gave him a hug. And, and I just said, Floyd, you know, it's going to be incredible to be reunited with your wife, Wanda in heaven one day. And he let out a hallelujah, and I can't wait for that moment. Encourage one another, remind one another about what heaven is going to be like. And uh, I encourage you to 
pick up the book, Heaven, by Randy Alcorn. It's a great read if you're looking to study further about heaven. But I want to practice this right now. Uh, I, I, wanna, I want us to, to just uh, spend the last remaining moments together reflecting on some verses that are going to be up on the screen. And I want you to allow these verses to kind of just wash over you. Meditate as you're reading these verses. Thank God for his goodness to us. And, and, uh, and just allow... Um, the Spirit of God to, to move and work in your life as we reflect on these verses together. Let's pray this morning. God, we long for that day. Lord, help us to set our hearts on eternity. Help us to set our hearts on heaven, Lord, eagerly awaiting that moment when we see you face to face in your full glory. God, in, in the meantime, I, I just pray that... Uh, just the reality of heaven and what awaits us would, would, uh, would give us motivation, Lord, to share this incredible gospel message, the good news of Jesus with as many people as, as we can, Lord, that uh, you would enable us to let our light shine before men, that they would see you, God, in us. They would give glory to you and they would turn from their wicked ways and they would repent and they would receive salvation for their sin. God, I pray uh, that you would help us to, to, to maintain an eternal perspective through the difficulties of life. Lord, that we can, uh, we can allow the joy of knowing you to permeate our lives and to spill out in the lives of others, God. Thank you for the gift of heaven. We long for it, Lord, and uh, we praise your holy name today. And everybody said, amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.